longest for the longest time Whoa. For the longest time If you said goodbye to me tonight There would still be music left to write What else could I do? I'm so inspired by you That hasn't happened for the longest time Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. I'm Jake. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I, I come questioning that one. Yeah, I felt a little it. Bit. Um, dude, I feel like I just saw you because I did just see you. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time together. I wanted week. to bring this up real quick. Um, I'm going to do housekeeping first, I think. Okay. Housekeeping. March 7th, reminder to everybody, our guest will be Dr. Donna Sinclair. Um, it's going to be an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. It's going to be super fun. She's wanted to come on. We've wanted to have her on for a while, and now we kind of have the means to do so, and we're going to rage. Yeah, it's going to be... Please listen to this one. It's yeah. going to be good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next week, you can catch me on the Stateside Podcast. I'm going to go and hang out with my friend Alan and talk about Say What You Mean and talk about Knuckle Draggers and talk about music and talk about whatever else they want to talk about. Yeah. They're, they're running the show. It's their show. <laughs> it's going to be different, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to take a back seat. Not being just, the host anymore. Well, and I'm so chatty. It's like, how much, how chatty do I get? Because I could just go. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. So we'll see. Well, I'm sure they'll be cool with whatever. Um, and this weekend, if anybody wants to, if you're going, I'm going to Wizard World Comic Con at the, what's it called? Uh, it's a convention center, right? Convention center, yeah. yeah. Right um, Portland. So catch me. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna bring the Zoom and just talk to random people. So if you want to come and talk, I'll record you and we'll have a conversation. Yeah, could be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked into, uh, you know, you can take pictures with celebrities and stuff. Yeah. Jason Momoa, guess how much? Oof. <laughs> hundred bucks? $125, dude. Oh, my God. Isn't that stupid? That's insane. That's you can go to like a so concert much for money. cheaper than that. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous, dude. I can't I can't even. Anyway, so but I'm not going to do that. Um, and I, I think I booked uh, on uh, just, I'm just going with my family, but we're going to go to on March, what is it, March 3rd? Mm-hmm. Uh, a Lego convention. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where's so that at? Uh, it's at, 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 at the, the convention, convention center, there. I think. Okay. Um, but I went to Emerald City Comic Con like six years ago, or, or if not longer. That's and up in Seattle. Yeah, okay. and they had this whole like display of Legos, hmm. like this whole city, and then with like superhero battles staged through all throughout it. So Superman was on one building, or sorry, Spider Man was on one building, like slinging across. They made it look like he was swinging, and then he had like one of the villains like up in a web, but he was like chasing um, the Green Goblin. Really, just all throughout this, just through Legos, it was amazing. So that has always like that always that just sparked an interest in going to a Lego convention and just seeing what people build. I'm sure. Um, so they have one coming. They have a huge one. It's called BrickCon in Seattle. Um, but it's like 40 bucks to get in, and I'm Jesus. like, I'm not doing that. And then I just Googled like local conventions because I want to try to use um, 
I want to try to get us into anything we can as oh, yeah. press, mm-hmm. even if it's a concert that you and I both are like, let's go. It's like, let's see. I'm going to see if we can get into press anything, dude. And then we'll just do a little recap about it on the show or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some like uh, political ones coming I saw, um, but I'll have to double check. When the uh, if the if anybody starts campaigning in Oregon, we should go oh, to those rallies. That'd be a good idea. That would be amazing. That's a genius idea. Because you know, guys like marginal guys are mm-hmm. going to try to use Oregon's caucuses Definitely. as a way to try to pick up some delegates. So I like that. Well, I'm sure they'll be here. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that for sure. Um, so if you're at the con, I'll be at the con. So come say hi. Um, anyway, so saw you recently. Yes. We went and saw a movie. It was. A really good movie, one that everybody should go see. <laughs> they Shall Not Grow Old. Documentary by Peter Jackson. Yeah. Of Ro- Lord of the Rings fame. Yeah, so you're you're a few days removed. Time to process. You were kind of speechless when we went out to lunch afterwards. <laughs> that, that, that movie was heartbreakingly tragic, mm-hmm. but so powerful and yeah. important. I can't overstate how important that movie is. Yeah. Um, just because of one of how it tells its story, mm-hmm. um, but also giving a glimpse to a life. I think most of us, unless you've been in war mm-hmm. or whatever, have even a remote chance of of witness of really seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I love oral histories, and the whole thing is constructed by the oral histories of veterans from World War One. What is um but one thing I was just thinking about that I think we didn't talk about that I thought was super important was that um we we kind of had gotten into a discussion about whether it was like cuz Peter Jackson said he wasn't a historian mm-hmm. um and you and you had mentioned you can chime in sure <laughs> I don't want to speak for you okay. but uh something along the lines of like okay maybe he isn't a historian because he's not he doesn't have a question to answer through the film. He's kind of just presenting the yeah. the, the situation uh-huh. and the information, which is what he does. But I think for historians, what this film does is it, well, the documentary more specific. <laughs> wow, bro. If you, sorry for the Game of Thrones theme song. If you guys could hear that in the background, that's my cell phone. Yes, I'm a nerd. Um, So, uh. Fuck that threw me off, Jake. I'm oh, sorry. okay. Yeah, what it does is uh, so it's not so much the film. It is the film, but it's the the documentary afterwards where Peter Jackson's talking about everything he did for research, and he had a lot of things at his disposal for the research, mm-hmm. obviously to make yeah. this film. But for historians, these are things that they do every day. Yeah, they are constantly listening to oral histories to to make or make the argument mm-hmm. that you were saying wasn't you know really presented in the film and i don't know i think it's important because i hope people make that connection of just like holy shit he went through all this work to make this film badass okay cool but historians do that every day mm-hmm. it just, just it doesn't it doesn't end up in a project yeah on the screen yes being viewed by millions of people right but perfect perfect but point it, but it does i mean that is that is the historical process he mm-hmm. very much uses um, archives that are in, or, as you said, or, you know, oral histories, things that right. if it wasn't for preservationists mm-hmm. and conservationists, mm-hmm. we, we wouldn't ever see... Ever. Uh, we wouldn't. This stuff would never come to light. Right. And it would be really unfortunate because of... Um, I think 
knowing knowing history and the history of of the, the events leading up to and mm-hmm. during World War One, um, basically, I mean, it touches on so many different theme. There's there are a lot of different themes you mm-hmm. could you could derive as a viewer right. watching this documentary. Mm-hmm. And and in those who haven't seen it, I encourage you to go and watch uh, the YouTube trailers for it. Right. Um, just to get acquainted with it. But what he what he's done is he's uh, Peter Jackson took old World War One footage from uh, the Imperial War Museum mm-hmm. and the in uh, the BBC mm-hmm. had. Uh, a bunch of oral histories from World War One veterans that w- they were recorded decades after the war mm-hmm. ended, and then they they kind of splice they splice these together. They mm-hmm. they restored it. They colorized the videos, mm-hmm. and, and there's not a single modern day person speak from the time this film starts mm-hmm. to when it ends. There isn't a there isn't a single modern day person right. speaking. Right. It's literally everything that's being told to you mm-hmm. is being told to you from the past right. by somebody who lived. Through it, through it, yeah, and, and so it has. I think one of the words that I've seen described, used to describe it, was like heartbreaking, heartbreaking immediacy. Because I think mm. you you realize how, even though this took place in 1914 to right. 1919, there's so many lessons that we can learn today from it mm-hmm. um, about how societies go to war and right. the pressure and the national like nationalism and different political and mm-hmm. social you know undercurrents that right. cause people to to go to war mm-hmm. and cause nations nation states to mm-hmm. to fight these bloody wars like the the battle of the somme had over a million casualties like how do you even fathom something like that right like it's it's almost unfathomable by the by us sitting here thinking right. like a million people were either killed or wounded right in a in a single battle of this war so. well even those conditions that they lived in every single day in the trenches and I think you had a good point when we were talking after the film you said you know this this will I think I, I like it. it it's gonna like you do have people who are just like I want to go see this because it's a war film but then when you get there just the realness mm-hmm. of how gnarly it was it kind of checks you like oh okay war isn't tight yeah war yeah. is not cool this, this <laughs> is not call of duty yeah exactly exactly this is not you know um Although you know Tom Hanks's Saving Private Ryan was really really mm-hmm. good, it, mm-hmm. it's it's a romantic in a lot of ways. It, it, there are some romanticizations. Well, you know of it's war. A, you know it's a movie. You know it's mm-hmm. a Hollywood film. Yeah. And when you're using footage and you're seeing men in the last thirty minutes of their life before they died, you're just like, oh, you know, you see the consequence. You see the um, the cost mm-hmm. of war. Uh, that's that's a that's a great point. And <sighs> in I, I liked something Peter Jackson did as mm-hmm. at the beginning he f- he framed kind of those those you know societal um, yeah. pressures mm-hmm. and then but really kind of creating like this was a you know war is not inevitable war is a man made construction because mm-hmm. they they talked towards the end of the war I don't want to spoil it too much right. but and there's not really much to spoil with this right. I mean it's it's a documentary yeah and it's not like it's unveiling anything yeah. um, we know how the war will went and we right. know who won but. Uh, he says at the end. Um, well, one of the one of the um, one of the interviewer interviewees mm-hmm. says at the end of the film, you know, the, we we had never really we hadn't we had vaguely heard that the war was coming to an end, right? But we lost we we lose track of time in the trenches. Mm-hmm. You don't know when it is. But we had heard it's supposed to be the eleventh day, the eleventh hour, the eleventh month mm-hmm. was um, 
of the 11th year of the 11th month it was the armistice mm-hmm. and bombs were going bombs and artillery were being dropped all the way up until that that deadline mm-hmm. and then it just all of the sounds of war just faded right on the western front right and it's just heartbreaking to think about that all war could it could if people had just decided not to right all of that could have been avoided this arbitrary number was what ultimately just was like okay now we're done yeah like un- keep going until this moment we're at war right on november the 10th but tomorrow yes we're not going to shoot at each right. other anymore right yeah that's a great point um and then and then just like the the way that the germans and the british interacted with each, uh, interacted with each other when they're when they weren't t- being told to, to directly shoot right, at each other right as prisoner of war as prisoners captures, of war yeah. or and then when they were when um they said like when the uh german units from uh from one section of german germany were leaving mm-hmm. i think they like the uh I forgot the anyway but then like the prussians were coming in so that the other german units from like northern germany mm-hmm. were warning warning the british like we we hate the prussians too you know kill them <laughs> like like yeah um like take your best shots at them right we don't like them either right it's just it's so all these dynamics are just so interesting i think this movie brings those to life so right. much i think the i think the realism of it is important i think if you do see it and you don't know kind of the politics or history behind world war one take the time to either research it before or after it, but at some point read up on it um, because I think it's important. One thing that I, that kind of broke my heart a little bit is just hearing the Englishmen talk about, you know, interacting with these Germans and, and them saying, you know, they didn't want to be a part of this as much as we didn't want to be a part of it after being in it for mm-hmm. years. Um, but then to know like the economic like despair that Germany falls into afterwards and how all of these soldiers going home, were affected by all that. Yeah. So not only did they not like they weren't hyped on being in this gnarly war, but now they're going to like the worst conditions they could possibly go home to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I couldn't help but you know because I know I uh, just thinking about Adolf Hitler and just these 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 things that constructed just that movement and that ability to kind of get people on one team after world war one mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely i couldn't help but think about that stuff but that stuff i think people will if you research it from world war one because everyone everyone loves world war two i don't know why um world war two is not tight world war one is not tight war is not tight no um, it's, it's i never i don't under it, it didn't take it was it, it took me until getting into college to mm-hmm. realize that like why we're literally when people talk about like war, you see like people get really excited about yeah. talking about like oh like you talk to most people talking a lot not most people but a lot of people right. I've had conversations with where they they say it's like oh you know, I'm a I'm a war hist like I'm I'm a history buff but the only thing they know about is like, like war, war stuff yeah and it's like so the only thing you care about is literally the worst humanity has to offer right right <laughs> that's a great point yeah it's totally true um, I was talking to someone about the movie and they're like man I kind of just like World War Two more. How are you picking a favorite? <laughs> like you're literally picking between uh, two wars. Uh, it's just what what because so interesting. was it because there was a, a like a there's a figurehead that is you can identify with because there's the atrocities of the Holocaust. What, what is it because it ended with the atom bombs with Japan? Like what is it that people are like? I think it's just 
because it's closer to home, maybe, and because 100 years ago seems so distant. But I think that that's what this film does is it brings it home. Mm -hmm. You're like, these are men just like you and I. Yeah. These are our fathers, brothers, uncles. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Grandfathers who, who, I don't know. I think it did a really good job at like putting it there. I mean, I'm glad it was about World War One because everyone is just always talking about World War Two. Yeah, it's like, listen, dummies. <laughs> and I think Peter Jackson. And if you go see it in the movies, which mm-hmm. I recommend, because then you get you better the, go quick because it's almost out. I it's think al- it is almost out. When and I looked, stay, it was like three theaters. And if you stay through the end of the credits, there's about a half hour length um, extended part of the movie where Peter Jackson talks about how he did all like all of the mechanics and all of the techniques that they used oh to bring this gosh. back to life yeah and like figuring out like so once he's done all of the enhancements bringing bringing uh you know changing the bring the changing the lighting to make sure you know because there was a lot of they show a lot of footage that you see throughout the movie was so dark and mm-hmm. the original like the the original uh, uh recording of it right they had to play with the with the light levels and mm-hmm. getting that back but then Trying to film guess. that was never used in yeah. any other documentary because it was deemed unusable, mm-hmm. and they brought it all back to life. And then trying to figure out because there's no like there was the 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 filmmaker at the time or the person who did the recording wasn't mm-hmm. saying I was using a camera that used you know twelve frames per second. They were hand they were hand cranked. Yes. Yeah. So it could be any any amounts of um of fps uh, yeah frames yeah. per second. So they had to when we had to basically Peter Jackson and his team had to guess yeah what the um what the frames per second were so right. they could convert it to 24 frames per second, which is the standard for today's yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. And once they've done that, it um, it clears all of that up. So you're not watching grainy footage. No. This is this is footage that looks like it was, could have been shot right. not even that long well, ago. Well, and like the, he mentions a lot of that footage, it's either too slow or people are like high speed, has mm-hmm. sped, they're all sped up. But then when they put the, that high speed film into the standard, like, normal, everyday human walking mm-hmm. footage um, uh, frames per second, it, it's just like it, all of a sudden it be, does become more real. When you see people working two times, walking two times the speed, you're like, oh, okay, it's kind of campy almost. You're yeah. like, here's here's a historical film. I'm mm-hmm. watching history. But when you slow it down to, like, a footage that we would see today and then you colorize it, you're like, again, becomes very real. Yeah. It was badass movie. That's one I'm going to buy. Because I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I've been telling everybody I know to go watch it. So thanks yeah, a couple, for... A couple guys from work went and watched it. Yeah. I talked to them about really? it. Really? So, yeah. Good. Yeah. Everyone needs to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the mandate. Thanks for nerding out on it with me. Nope, for sure. I can talk about that. There's so much to talk about from that yeah. movie. We could go all... <laughs> we, we totally could, could. We could go this entire episode. Um, so you have some, some interesting things you want to get to, but I just have some uh, some just news topics that I wanted to yeah, get to. Yeah, let's get to them. Um, Kind of. Did you hear? Hopefully the freaking link opens because my internet's being so dumb. But uh, yeah, it did work. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you hear about the Siberian town getting black snow? No. The black snow was allegedly caused by coal dust from local processing plants. Oh, Jesus. Just like terrible. Isn't that gross, That's dude? It just like, looks like soot. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. Yeah, Google this. Check out the pictures. I heard that that's like basically what industrial, like uh, steampunk era England looked like during the height of the Industrial really? Revolution. Yeah. Look at that. Just covered in black snow. A car. That's disgusting. Yeah. And people are just living there. 
and we want to bring Cole back. Yeah, bring it back. <laughs> Toxic Snow. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. No, um, that's uh, that's a that's eye opening. That <sighs> we could cause something like that. There's so many environmental like terms and legislation that that this administration is drawing back. I said uh, we're leading the world and destroying it. And then you see things like this, and it's like, this is possible here. People are so stupid. We're, all, we're all we are is policies away from <sighs> policies. How dumb is that? Just make I don't know. Just make the change. Recycle. When I first moved to Washington, dude, nobody I knew recycled. And I, you know, I grew up in liberal hippie Portland, and everyone was like, soup. I just pounded it in my head that you mm-hmm. need to recycle. So then when I came over here, everyone I knew, they're like, just throw it in the trash. It's like, are you out of your damn mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've Vancouver's come around. They have come around. Yeah. But it, uh, but 10 years ago, I was just like a psycho about it. Like, no, keep it. Put it aside. It will, it will throw, we'll find recycling for it. Like, just crazy about it. Yeah, um, and it, I mean, it, it makes you realize, like, how, I mean, there's another importance of government, right? If it wasn't for a government's the government compelling people to recycle right most people are fine just tossing into the trash oh dude that's so annoying and and this is this might be a little off topic but i think about i watched a documentary recently um it's called period end of sentence it's about um i think it's indian women who um in 2018-19 are shamed about their menstruation cycles and they don't have like sanitary napkins or tampons or anything. And so this documentary, they go and they interview like these men in in these cities and these villages, and they're just like, they're like, do you know what a period is? And they're like, yeah, I think it's like a disease that mostly women get. Like just no idea. Wow. And then this one dude like constructs and builds this machine and like builds like hardcore heavy duty pads for women. And then, like the women start working, he builds enough machines so now they now they're in, you know now they're a working class. Now they're trying to make money selling them to other women, and women are like embarrassed and ashamed to even talk about it. But that gets to the point of like, you know, you're in the United States, you're in this nerfed world, you're in this world where you have access to those things. Mm-hmm. Women have those things available we have the benefits of being able to recycle but then you get to other countries and other parts of the world where i don't think people realize that it that might not that might be the complete opposite for some people in these cases oh yeah just living in trash or not having an education about um reproductive cycles and Mm -hmm. women's health i don't know that's kind of what I thought of when I saw this and toxic this, this snow. Was, this was in India? I think so, yeah. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's only like a half hour documentary. Hmm. Um, I think it's great for people to watch. I think it's great for men to watch. Um, but I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. So okay. if you're ever interested, it's only 35 minutes. If you're listening, check it out. It's sure. pretty dope. Good recommendation. Um, Oh, boy. Which one do I want to get to here? <laughs> okay. Just real quick. Bernie. Yep, he announced. Yeah, how do you feel about it? Uh, I was I had a kind of a at length conversation about this with my manager today, who's pretty politically active, and mm-hmm. him and I are pretty pretty much similar. Right, um, lifelong Republicans. I can't stand the way the Republican Party has gone. Yeah. Anyway, um, just to set the primer for you yeah know, this con- how this conversation went, and we kind of came to the conclusion that this is so different than four like you know two years ago. Yeah. Th- you know three years ago. Yeah. When the primaries were happening and, um. 
Why? How? Well, I think it's because the field's different, right? So you had it was basically it was going to be Hillary Clinton. Right. Nobody was going to stop Hillary Clinton. Nobody even tried to like run against her, except mm-hmm. for this random guy from Vermont, right? Who it's, nobody had ever really heard yeah. of with crazy hair, and he's yeah. this old dude talking about quote socialism, even I, though we know it's not socialism. Yeah. Um. I love when he gets as passionate as he needs to be. So <laughs> as dramatic as he needs to be. So so Bernie and and. Uh, the the way when we've we've talked about on on TTR we've talked about um, a little bit uh, on this podcast yeah. about how um, the primary system works. Right. We can I think we might get into that a little bit more in future episodes of Definitely. to the public. But um, the Democratic primary system is fundamental. It does have fundamental differences in the Republican primary mm-hmm. system, both superdelegates. And um, although it gave the appearance of Hillary Clinton it, of the DNC. Um, basically rigging the system yeah. for for uh, Clinton to yeah. win. Um, Bernie never was given a fair shake mm-hmm. because of the superdelegates. Mm-hmm. Superdelegates far outweigh um, any individual vote from a normal delegate at the convention. Right. And all the superdelegates are all establishment candidate people. They're all, they're all establishment votes. They're yes. people from the party, elected officials from the party at the state and in, uh, at the state level. Um, those people are all, all going to break with Clinton. Right. Um, and, so there, w- it gave a, it gave an appearance of of rigging, right? right so sure. Bernie's supporters took their ball and went home, and generally d- didn't show up for the right. Um, a pr- a proportion of them did not show up for the general election to vote right. for Hillary Clinton. When I f- the first my first thought was, oh no, here we go again. Okay. When or if he eventually loses the nomination, does he does his supporters go home again? <sighs> Yeah, and I don't think so point. because yeah, which is one of the reasons why I was saying thinking I was hoping originally he was going to stay out of it. Okay, but then upon reflection, okay. I had a lot of time to reflect today. It was a slow day at the store. <laughs> is good. Um, the I think what will happen. I think what's going to happen is because there is enough people who are kind of Bernie light ish in the in the uh, running right now. Okay. Um, what Warren, do you mean by that? Elizabeth Warren. I mean, they, they share some of the same economic mm-hmm. uh, views as uh, Bernie. Maybe not quite as extreme yeah. of of, uh, ec- of democratic socialism slash social democratic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I, th- I think that with it being more of a plur- more plurality, there's okay. more people in the yes. race. There's not a clear front runner for the establishment to get behind. Okay. At the moment, until right. Biden, unless Biden nominates and you know, unless Biden Biden throws his hat in the ring. Yeah. There isn't really that est- that strong establishment candidate. Mm-hmm. I think that this primary system with having more debates, and I know I've argued all of this could could potentially make it harder on Democrats in yeah. the long run. I think what it does is it does give the DNC an air of legitimacy. The, the, whoever comes out of this process, mm-hmm. it gives the air of legit. It gives the air of legitimacy to all Democratic Party voters, right? Because it's a more plural system. I'm also wondering, you know, is the DNC, is the party, you know, they've got to be considering what happened when they lost two years ago. Mm-hmm. They have to. Yeah. They have to maybe look at the way that the system is set up and not just completely jump onto one person or or make it feel like that mm-hmm. i think you have a good point by having this platform where everyone is included in the debate and then let democracy kind of take over with that i don't know i 
part of me disagrees with that okay. because I think when you had the more because we talked about this on TTR, but, yeah, uh, de- more democracies can be double-edged sword. For sure, it can open up to um, more extremist, yeah, oh, radical yeah. Yeah, candidates, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that, true. That's the downside to it. I just want Bernie and, and Biden. That's it. We, that would also do, that would be a fundamental debate, <laughs> and it'd be one because they're both such policy wonks. Yes. There's no question that these two know what they're talking yes. about, and they have data to to back up what they're talking yeah. about. You may fundamentally disagree with one or the other, right. but it would be a phenomenal debate to I have. I love the idea of even having that debate. One thing I want to just make an amendment to what I asked you last week, as I said, who's your guy? And that's not to say that women can't be running for president. Oh. <laughs> I thought about that afterwards. I was like... What a piece of shit. I knew what you meant. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, what? I'm the worst. I, th- I, I, th- I think that maybe it's just because of the numbers. Uh-huh. There's a good, there's a really good chance there'll be an, another female uh, come out of the mm. the Democratic nomin- mm-hmm. come out of the Democratic Party for right. the nominee. Yeah. Um, who that could be, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be hard. I think, um, I hope that the Democratic Party can coalesce quickly around a couple front runners. I think that's what I'm thinking. Instead of having what the Demo- Republicans did, which was have like this undercard debate where, yeah, uh, like the, the clearly the people who were just biding their time until Iowa, right, to get to, to, until the money dried up because basically at that time they were, they were running on free money. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost a lot to go to these debates and really right. half the campaign, and then they could turn around and sell a book and said like, oh, I was you know presidential candidate oh, Rick Perry. There's a lot of these people that. Yeah. We should do that. In, in a lot of these, in a lo- I think a lo- some of these Demo- some of these Democrats that have put their names in the ring are basically just using mm. the system for that. You need to weed those people out pretty quickly right, and get right. down to a few. Just get down to a few, so these debates are not hijacked by people just looking to get their names in the headline. Right. I also don't want people to be dramatic and be like, "Well, my guy didn't win, so I'm out," like they did with Bernie in any other scenario. Yeah. Because because the pool is so big and growing. <laughs> Who knows what these debates are going to look like? And everyone's going to attach themselves to a team because we're in the era of tribalism. But just because your dude doesn't, dude or woman doesn't move forward, like we've, as a Democratic Party, you've got to find a way to choose the moderate. (laughs) I don't want you to pick anyone extreme. I want everyone to just pick somebody who knows what they're talking about, use statistics, and, and is seasoned. Yes, um, but that's because, or to, I mean, just get. I, I wish that I, I hope that somehow, even if it's behind closed doors and it's not out in public, but you see evidence of Democrats who are running against each other as opponents on the stage, running for the running for the same you know Democratic nomination, right. have an understanding of we can have a healthy debate, Please. but at the end of the day, we have mutual co-op, we have mutual toleration. Yes, that we see the other. We, everybody on this stage has the legit right to power right if they win this process yes. and everybody else accept that other person's legitimate right to power my my I biggest fair, my yeah. biggest concern is that i think democrats in increasingly now republicans too mm-hmm. with the with the rise of identity politics in the us is that if you see start to see like a warren or even a sanders or somebody start to slip mm-hmm. It could be anybody, Booker. I don't. I don't. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Star starts to slip, and then it's all of a sudden. It's now, oh, Biden or whoever's the front runner at the time. He's you know he's 
oh, he, he's saying that because he doesn't care about the middle class, or he's saying that oh, because he doesn't. Yes. He using doesn't, the same tactics. Using of, the same. T- yeah. Use, instead of in, just to know that don't bloody each other up yes. so bad that the eventual nominee, when he goes to face Trump, Trump doesn't already have a year's worth of things that he can attack this person. Yes, on. I think that's a perfect, perfect point. Mm-hmm. That's great. You don't want them. It's like a. I think the analogy of, of fighting, you don't want them going into the next round just completely battered and being like, you guys have already given this uh, his opponent so much ammunition by pointing out these other things that now he can use. Or for, or forcing the or forcing the, the, the eventual candidate to go one way or the other so much that they're they've lost who their sense of right who their sense of person for is. sure like who is who they are as a candidate mm-hmm. because i can definitely see the de- the the and some people might applaud this oh, that's whatever that's the direction you want the party to go but i, I understand but i think mm-hmm. that the rhetoric it, it, you concerned about the rhetoric pushing candidates so far to the left in order to win the primary by the time they get to the general there's mm. there's basically there's nowhere left you can't come back to the center because there's all of this tape yes. of you saying pretty left extremist stuff to win the, right. nom- to win the nomination I that's think a good point too there was there was an arizona uh, the arizona senate race happened but on the other side the republican candidate had the run the republican candidate for the senate for mccain's senate seat yeah was a fairly moderate republican mm-hmm. having to run against sheriff joe arpaio and mm-hmm. some other crazies right that during the primary system she had to basically back trump a hundred percent had to go f- so far to the right by the time sh- it came to the general election she had to run on that because that was her platform that she had to win in order to, to beat out the nuts, the nut jobs that she that were in the primary. That the that what had been a Republican held seat for th- twenty plus thirty years mm-hmm. fell to a Democrat because that person couldn't who was mm-hmm. historically a moderate Republican yes. couldn't come back because her in That's order to terrifying. win it, it had to modify her rhetoric to get that nomination. But then lost to a lost to a Democratic candidate who was able to run as a moderate Democrat, which is I mean, okay, whatever. It, yeah. I mean, they won, but you can totally see that happening Trump's in this win. primary system. He's going to win again. I don't doubt it. <sighs> that right there is exactly why. Because everybody's going to have to to play the game, and then. <sighs> that's my that's my biggest concern. Yeah. With Bernie coming in. Is that he? He 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 shifts the rhetoric so far left. Does he? Do you follow him? I feel like the the way that he presents these this information and this this disagreement with his administration sometimes it gets a little propaganda ish. But for the most part, it's like here's how it was historically. Here's you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's as extreme as some of the other voices in the Democratic Party. And I think that if we're going to argue that Biden and, and Bernie are going to have this, although fundam- maybe fundamental disagreements on how to solve the problems, but coming with the wisdom of being a, a senior tenured representative or politician... I don't I just don't see him as being as pushing that rhetoric. I don't think that he I think that his supporters do. I think but I also think that I don't know, I almost think that he kind of created this this movement, if you will. I hate using that word. Yeah. Um but then everybody kind of co opted it after he you know Definitely. 
lost okay, yeah, but and pushed it forward. I don't think it was necessarily him. It was all of these other like extremists kind of using that platform of anti-establishment. But he, but he does call himself a democratic socialist. Okay, yes, Jake, that's fair. We know we, know we hate that term. <laughs> but that carries with it certain policy, yeah. policy goals and ideology. And that ideology yes. in the American context is fairly radical. Well, I think generally speaking, the Democratic Party wants to tax the rich more. Yes. But okay, <laughs> there he has not explained mm-hmm. how exactly he's going. We already have a deficit that's near six trillion. Right. No. What is a deficit at? We're adding a shit ton of money to our <laughs> de- our our deficit has reached close to twenty three trillion. Mm-hmm. Because well, because Trump just added an additional seven trillion to the deficit with his new spending bill mm-hmm. that he just that was signed. I mean, it was a bipartisan bill that the president signed. But it added roughly over the over the life of this bill, it's adding about seven trillion. Yeah, and um, um, adding about seven trillion to our deficit, mm-hmm. um, to our debt. So you're talking about already f- massive amounts of debt. We're already running at a massive deficit. Mm-hmm. If taxing, yes, increase. Okay, so you could say increasing taxation on the rich would in- would be would bring in more government revenue. Mm-hmm. But the added the added social programs that he is advocating for mm-hmm. I don't see where I don't see where that where where the where that where those ends meet financially. Right. Well I don't know the numbers specifically, but I know that Amazon hasn't paid hardly anything in taxes because of the tax break tax breaks of coming to a city and bringing jobs to the city. It's gotta be millions so they haven't paid state or federal tax i don't remember the numbers i'll have to look it up okay but, um because but I, that's I, another I, thing oh because i know that when they I were it's federal. i know i know when amazon was trying to set up its um its second headquarters yeah states were were fighting so hard to get that that i think the ultimately the deal that was reached was that yeah they don't have to pay like state and <laughs> have to play like right state, right uh state capital gains tax for like a long time i think it's i don't know but the pay while the company has paid no u.s federal income tax crap where did it go um give me a second so it looks like there's a a few several different articles about this specific issue okay people are going to push the agenda that best suits them and their their agenda obviously um but it says you know they they didn't pay any federal income taxes on $11.2 billion in profits. But then I'm seeing somebody else arguing that they paid cash taxes um, of $1.2 billion last year and $957 million in 2017. So. Okay. I don't know. I'm just saying. <sighs> yes, there is a lot of taxable revenue. Yeah, there is. There. Big business gets away with a lot and I'm not going to just dismiss. I mean, there's only. I mean, the, I get the argument behind it, right? Uh, right. Is that in order for a strong economy has a strong middle class because middle class are your biggest. That's your biggest. Cons, that's your biggest consumers. Right. Those are your biggest consumers because there's only so many things billionaires can buy. Right. And the 
taxing taxing that to provide for more safety nets to allow more people to stay in the middle class mm-hmm. throughout the business cycle helps the economy in a long in the long run. It's right. very, it's Keynesian economics, right? Keynesian economic theory taken to to the taken to the extremes of that you know kind of that theory. Okay, and it's not like this. The United States has ever experienced high taxation on the top earners. Right. I mean, the Republican president, uh, the highest taxation on top earners actually was during the Eisenhower administration mm-hmm. of upwards of 90%. And so Bernie, you look at Bernie Sanders, the 77% proposal. Mm-hmm. I mean, historically, it's not near the right. top. It's not, it's near the top, but it's not the top. So I think in the American economy, mean, I think how Americans, the average American, especially on the conservative side of this, uh, conservative side of the, of the spectrum when it comes to taxation, mm-hmm. um, I think was completely reshaped during the Reagan administration. Right. Um, but times have definitely changed. I think yeah. th- with the onset of global, the onset of globalization, mm-hmm. especially in the eighties and the reinvigor reinvestment into like a neoliberal, uh, trade policies mm-hmm. had really quick, um, really quick. It created a lot of instant growth throughout the United States, and it it made it appear that this that that was going to be the new norm, mm-hmm. is that all of these ships were going to rise equally fast and incredibly right. quickly, and that was going to be sustainable. But it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now that that now that we've kind of plateaued a little bit on that glo- on that globalization, now you start that's when this is when you're starting to see um, West a lot of people becoming dissatisfied within in in, in post industrial nations because that revenue well is not increasing right. at, at, the, at the clip that it used to be. So you have to look, now you have to look introspectively mm-hmm. and see how in the role of government is going to become much more important as the economy start to stagnate a little bit mm-hmm. again. You need the government in this in periods of contraction, need more levers to try to stave sure. off massive amounts of you know economic turmoil. Right. So I, I understand that it, it, a lot of this makes sense. Right. It's just going to be really, really hard to market that. To yeah. A, to <laughs> to market to market this. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about free, you're talking and people like that will want to throw free college. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of this stuff that you want to he's want to you know they want to pay you know all of the liberals the socialists want to pay for. Yeah, right? they don't want any. They don't want to earn anything. They just want it all for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think domestically, I. I don't know. I I fall, I want I I fall more on the on the less taxation side. I think there needs to be more taxes, but I don't think the level of which Bernie Sanders is is um, advocating advocating for, for yeah. is necessarily sustainable in the long run. Because yeah. I think a lot of investors can can move their money elsewhere to avoid that taxation. Oh yeah, yeah. Which means the America, sure. which means that America loses out on 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 any of that money. Um, Ton of loopholes that they could be using. He is so his foreign policy mm-hmm. wouldn't be that much different than Trump's, and that's my biggest mm, point on him. I know right. that's not really what we're talking right, about right, right now, but the we're reason talking about Bernie, bro, talking the, about whatever you want. The reason why I wouldn't vote for him would ninety mm-hmm. percent of it would come down on his foreign policy. If it's and Trump and Bernie, you're voting for Trump. Don't make me make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me make that decision. I'd be picking. I'd be picking the lesser. Like it would. I don't even know what the lesser two evils would be on foreign policy. Right. I mean, I guess it would have to be Bernie, right? Could he be? Could Bernie be any more destructive? I don't think he could be more destructive. I think at least he'll have a democratic approach to building relationships or or severing relationships, not just tweeting about it. 
I think him and, and I've read Eliz- Elizabeth Warren wrote a really big op-ed for foreignpolicy.com and mm-hmm. I, I read it uh, and there was actually a pretty good discussion going back and forth between uh, I was I w- I'm not going to say I was a part of it, uh-huh. but there was like it was a Facebook comment between Dr. Thiers and Dr. Lopez, who are two. Whoa, uh, who were, who okay. Were t- and, and I was yeah. in the comment thread, but I'm not going to say I was a part of this conversation. Uh-huh. I was an observer of this conversation. Yeah, right. You were challenging him. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I <laughs> Dr. Chokum. I made the initial comment that Dr. Lopez responded back to me, but then and then him and Dr. Thiers went back and forth a little bit. Whoa, and, that's um, awesome. And both of them were, you know, both of them saying, you know, Elizabeth Warren is woefully un woefully unprepared mm-hmm. for foreign interesting for for uh handling u.s foreign policy today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least as far as it goes with at least as far as military engagements go they mm. have a, um okay so it's it's interesting i don't want to misquote them right that's right, right. Just, that's kind of the basis that's that kind of cool from them i love that <laughs> anyway those are the two smartest dudes on foreign policy that i personally know yeah and they're all they are they were both kind of um shy on wanting to I don't know endorse either of those right, candidates right, right. because of their foreign policy hmm. and experience so I, I got the sense that Biden they, they they believe Biden would be more apt to handling foreign right, handling right. US foreign policy but because he basically did for the Obama administration yeah. I think it'd be interesting though is like say Biden wins or whoever wins is who's the VP candidate yeah I don't know because I would you could make an argument that prior to Cheney, mm-hmm. the vice presidentship was essentially worthless. Like right. it didn't; it was a figurehead. It didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It had very little responsibility. It was given very little responsibility. And I think Cheney and then Biden, whatever about Pence, but I think those two, <laughs> compl- I think those two really ch- fundamentally changed the vice presidentship for the United States. Mm. Maybe, maybe for maybe in the short run, maybe in the long term. I don't know. Right. But both of them had were instrumental in forming their. The presidents that they served mm-hmm. served foreign policy goals right. and setting foreign policy goals because both George W. Bush and Barack Obama coming into office had very little ambitions globally. Right, right. And most of the stuff they were originally campaigning on was all domestic changes. Right, right. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, you get a guy like Biden in mm-hmm. who is a foreign policy wonk. Right. Who does he? You know, who does he select as his? Yeah. As his VP. Clinton. I like Beto O'Rourke. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'd be kind of like, if I were to if, if I were to construct a Democratic super ticket yeah. for me, yeah. based on my pol- my preferences, it would be like a, a Biden-Beto yeah. ticket. But okay. Look at me advocating for Democrats. Yeah, I know. Who are you? I'm a liberal snowflake <laughs> over here. Okay. Jake, two yes. more things, and okay. then we can get into your business. Oregon legislators float bill, float plan, plan to lower voting age to sixteen. Hmm. Are you asking me what I think about that? Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. With the argument that you know these kids need to participate and 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 advocate for their futures. Sure. <laughs> At one point, it was 21, and it was moved to 18. So right. it's not like, oh, yeah. all of us have, I think a lot of, I think humans in general yeah. suffer from, like, I don't even know what the right word, but it was like, what's happened recently mm-hmm. is, like, the only thing that's ever, is the only way it's ever been. Right. And so to say that 
you know, it would be a, you know, it, I'll look at it. It'd be a complete upheaval of our election system right, to have right, 16 right. year olds vote. I think that's a bit hyperbolic. Yeah, it's I don't a little think more, that's that, a little yeah. hyperbo- hyperbolic, but do I think 16 year olds are capable of understanding? I don't know. Are they any worse than some of the people that are voting right now? You're right now. The, the linear path you're taking is exactly my thought process. When I first saw this, I was like, well, that's kind of dumb. Well, actually, I mean, maybe they could, but wait, are they any worse than any else, anybody else voting? The same exact <laughs> thing, dude. I was thinking the same exact thing. But also, is it, is it, they're so, I just feel like, I just feel like as a 16 year old, I was so, um, just influenced by things that scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I was a complete dummy and didn't really do research. And especially in today's era with just reading headlines. But then I also want, don't want to get on the, 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 the verge or the, the, the point of like, maybe I'm just an old man now and I just don't want the younger generation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> well, I guess, I mean, the, there's a fear that the younger generation has very different, uh, it's a different culture. They have right. different Absolutely. values and different preferences and different visions for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then that that could challenge, um, you know, our yeah. vision for the future. So, yeah. I mean, it's a zero-sum game. Politics are a zero-sum <laughs> game. I feel like uh, I'm coming at it like, uh, do you really believe that? Do you really <laughs> believe that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Some of us here are older. <laughs> Fuck. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. No, I do. <laughs> I, I think. I don't know. I felt like I was capable at sixteen of voting. Looking back now mm-hmm. at me sitting in this chair, remembering me at sixteen. Right. No, I was not capable right. of voting. But our our elections are being hacked, and our the people the the guardians are not even caring about it at the For moment. For sure. So. Yeah. I mean, what is our elections anymore? I don't. I don't want it to seem like this but i worry that like is it just a ploy to get more people to like get more numbers i guarantee you if 16 year olds in oregon are are awarded that right to vote there's a surge in participation oh yeah for at least a little bit yeah i think the newness would wear off eventually right, right. um yeah i, I mean I, voter numbers are tragic as it is um, so maybe that's a way to get that tra- surge. Tragic is a good way to put that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I <laughs> you cranky old part man. Of, part of me says no, but yeah. the other part of me is just like, we're, we're on the verge of such, I feel like, I feel like most people can sense this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying, well, there's going to be a civil war. I don't know about that, but right. I feel like we're on the precipice mm-hmm. of something majorly catastrophic happening, mm-hmm. whether that's the environment or that's outbreak of war, right? Civil war, which I doubt, mm-hmm. or the outbreak of violent war, like we saw in World War One, which right. is why I think that this movie, yeah, uh, they, they shall not roll is so important. Yeah, is that it feels like we're very much on the cusp of something that we say in passing is not possible to right. happen. Yes. The the leaders and the people in Britain and you know in England and Germany and France all said that there's no way these co- we'd ever go to war with Germany. The cost would be too high. Right. And then they went to war and mm-hmm. you had 16 million people perish. And the cost was high. And the cost was high, <laughs> but yet they still continued it until they arbitrarily set a date to have right. it stop. I 
having if sixteen if allowing sixteen year olds to vote to have a say because those of evident in in two years time those could be the kids that are being sent off right to be Ooh. the people having to um, that's a good point having to fight to they're the ones going out there making having to go out to make those sacrifices mm-hmm. so that people behind the desk can tweet about it can tweet about it or <laughs> massage their egos or yeah. whatever. Is allowing them to vote to maybe stave that off? Yeah. That's an interesting I don't know. point. Yeah. Good point, they're, Jake. They're the ones that are going to have to inherit a, a, a an, an environment that doesn't allow shit to grow where storms are at yeah. best, like five, you know, five cl- class five hurricanes. Yeah. There's supposed to be like some mega storm coming. Flash floods in California. Yeah. Dope world we're living in. Florida sixth grader arrested after dispute with teacher over Pledge of Allegiance. Um, that made me want to go fight <laughs> that teacher. Did you read it? Did you read about it? A little, but I skimmed it. Okay, so apparently um, the student is facing misdemeanor charges after a confrontation that that, yeah. with his teacher that began with a refusal to recite the Ple- Pledge of Allegiance that escalated into what officials described as disruptive behavior. So he claimed that the the flag was racist, the, the Pledge of Allegiance, or, or just arguing that American is racist then uh the teacher got fed up with him sent him to the office and then well, it was a boy right yeah yeah and then he's telling them that they're all racist and 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 attacking him for standing up for his right to not do it and then they arrested him that's dope it's a it's settled law in the united states that you don't have to stand for the pledge of allegiance sixth grader dude 11 years old. Yeah. I, 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 as much as I, I I personally, yeah, I always felt that it was the right thing to do to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, Mm -hmm. no matter what I currently felt about what was going on politically. Mm -hmm. That doesn't have to be a a value that everybody holds, and nor should that value be forced upon somebody to have. Yeah. And, that I, I I as much as I would like you know it would be nice to have a debate with this kid where he can explain why he thinks the United mm-hmm. States is racist mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Shutting this kid up and and slapping criminal charges on him is not a way to change his mind. If you think that America is this gold, this shining city on the hill that stands up for all, you know that stands up for all of its democratic values right. and liberty and justice for all, slapping criminal charges on a kid because it. He didn't want to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Obviously, stuff happened afterwards. Right, right. But escalating into that point yeah. over him exercising his right. Right. And how encouraging is it for that kid to to later, with maybe a, a change of a point of view, represent the country where he's arrested for trying to exercise his First Amendment right? Yeah. No one's going to want to stand up for the education system or or policemen or America after he's been treated that way. Mm. The other elements of America suffer when you when you do that to somebody, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. can see that happening. Yeah. I, I can on a macro level, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it does Well happen. you and I have talked about like these 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 uh these incidences that happen with individuals that completely change or shape the way that they view something from that moment on. So Maybe this dude is, this kid is just patriotic as hell, 
recognizes that that or is or has been told that who knows that there are some issues regarding race in the United States and decides I'm not going to stand for this because I want these issues addressed and this is my way of 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 giving that attention. Mm-hmm. And then this happens there's going to be no no desire down that incident has changed it could fundamentally fundamentally change the way he views there's no point in standing up for what you believe in because you're just going to be shut down and shut up yeah that is incidences like this is what shape people hopefully he he takes this moment and this 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 situation to grow and become as psycho as I am about the First Amendment. Hopefully he becomes a voice for the First Amendment. Hopefully he, he finds a way to, to use this yeah. and not be shamed into shutting up. I hope so. I, I hope know. he uses it in a constructive way. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's incredibly unfortunate what, it had, what mm-hmm. it had to him. It speaks to a larger theme that I think is cropping up in mm-hmm. our societies. That it, and it's, it seems like it's been getting progressively more... Um, oh, worse is the right word, mm-hmm. but you can't. In the minds of some people, like you can't do anything if it's if it's viewed as questioning the flag. It's right, not right that the flag is now the extension of the country, and there's no way you can't question it at all, ever, ever. <laughs> and that's how you end up with, you know. I think that's it's how you end up in wars. Yeah, nationalism, this is, this is populism. How, this is how you end up where the world was in 1914. Yeah, yeah. Because you you wa- if you go watch this movie, you will see <laughs> the propaganda the propaganda yeah. that was used to get these kids to these kids who lied about their age at 15 and went in. Unbelievable. From 15 to 19, millions of these kids signed yeah. up across the world to go fight in this war. Yeah based on propaganda like it was the it was the empire that they were going to go fight mm-hmm. for the flag of britain right oh yeah and, I, then, I, and then when they came home the there was a I, there was a propaganda there was a propaganda fault it, it, it was nice because it, it made a parallel to the beginning and the end of it mm-hmm. it said mothers send your kid you know mothers and send your kids off mm-hmm. to war and there was a picture of a mom standing in the window watching like her sons you know dressed in in uh in uniform mm-hmm. with the british flag waving or one of them holding the british mm-hmm. flag and they're marching off out of the gate and then and then you hear the 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 actual soldiers talking about their time when they came home and their moms didn't even speak to them about the war nobody cared nobody wanted to, mm-hmm. to talk to them about it right it was just like oh the war was something that was just happening over there and they were in they were they were uh sheltered from it and then, right. it, and then it, once it kind of fell out of favor and people stopped caring about it mm-hmm. didn't affect their lives on a daily basis right it it, it that nationalism subsided but right. those are the people that had to make that who had to sacrifice for years yeah living in trenches getting bombed daily right i don't know it's just it's such a dangerous path that we're on and i see stuff i see stuff like this where this kid is exercising his right and it's not because it's because oh how dare he disrespect the flag right because it's the flag right i just if his excuse was as simple as i just don't want to it that's all it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it what does the not, reasoning is it's not as it's in no way is him sitting down for this pledge of allegiance affecting the security of the united states or the future of the united states in any way right it does not 
it doesn't it, it doesn't it's not a threat right to the survivability and the sustainability of the United States. It's just not. And anybody who tells you that it is is lying and or has alternative motives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you have a good point as far as that propaganda. On that film, I was thinking about just the otherization and vilifying of the of the Germans, referring to them as savages. I mean, how often is that used? Oh, God, yeah. And they just need to be civilized by our empire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just stupid. And, and, and these tactics are used today. And just watching people just fall for it. Like, dude, come on. I'm sure there are things that I fall for. I'm yeah. sure there are, uh, me, but me too. But you just see this like otherization and just um, just nastiness towards people who are not like you, just to to win. I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> where are we? Where are we? Where are we at? We're at an hour. Okay. Do you want to? Do you want to keep going? Fuck yeah, we're going to switch gears right now. Yeah, we're switching gears. Into your time travel drove. All right, travel, so we travel, uh, travel. I, we're going to, we felt like we were talking a bit too much about uh, Trump and politics lately. For sure. And then the whole half of our first, the, the entire first half of this show was, first hour of this one was kind of <laughs> talking about that, but I think it was a good discussion. Hell yeah, I it was different. Re- I, I think it was a change up. I don't regret it at all. So, I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I I was um I was like, oh, well, how what are some ways we can kind of get back to where we were in between like episodes like nine and twenty? Okay, when we talk about some random stuff, for I sure. Missed, I missed that, so we're gonna bring it back. All right, bit. and you're leading this this time. I'm leading it, and so I I I sent some constantly, or they're always late being sent to Jeff. <laughs> um, it's always the day of I I get around to thinking about this stuff mm-hmm. is um. I have a mental break. I was trying to think last night and I could not come up with anything. And then today when the pressure of, oh my God, I got to get something to Jeff <laughs> came about, I was able to think again. Okay. That's just kind of how school, That's how, went, how yeah. school went for That's me That's how too. we work, dude. So anyway, so I came up with like time travel. Mm-hmm. It's a really, I think would be a kind of a, it's a cool thing both mm-hmm. as like a historian because we kind of have that perspective. Right. Um, uh, thinking about how we would interact with the ability to travel in time. Okay. And so the first question is, what era would you like to visit? Okay. If you could travel, you could get into a box or like into a uh, into a phone booth, <laughs> right? Like Doctor Who, and go to anywhere right. back in time. Bill and Ted. Where would you go? Um. So I've always said that, like, if I'm gonna visit like time, uh, just because I know the concept, I'm obsessed with time travel. Mm-hmm. I love like Terminator, um, Butterfly Effect. I freaking love that movie. Like one. One misplacement of a, you know, you, st- you crush a butterfly or butterfly flaps its wings or an extra time because you're in that time. It affects the future later. Stuff like that. Yeah. So I always have said, like, if I ever travel through time, I want to do it, like, almost like as a viewer where, like, I can go and I could walk the streets, but I'm almost like a hologram. Like, okay. I'm not really there just because I fear consequences. <laughs> um, but also, like, I would like to go and visit eras and and times um that are brutal and i don't want to be there for that kind of shit mm-hmm. like um I, but i don't i don't really necessarily have a specific era okay it's kind of like that question like you know because we've studied history people were like what's your favorite history <laughs> it's like yeah uh i don't really have one i mean 
you know, like all throughout college, I was really interested in in, in Latin American history, mm-hmm. and now I've gone in into uh, like uh, as we've mentioned a million times, uh, Supreme Court history. Yeah. So it changes. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have a specific era? Is it Civil War? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean getting into the. I don't want to be seeing something super brutal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That pro- that would fall into that category mm-hmm, for me. Right. I think I would like this to be in places either directly after or directly before major conflicts, so you can kind of see. Oh, like, okay. What it, what what was going on in the societies and what was the rhetoric and the talk that was yeah. happening? Um, if you wanted to go to like an era like like the Roman Empire, mm. I mean, what's the point if you if you don't speak Latin? Right. That's a good point. What are you going to really take in yeah okay um, but let's say you have the ability to know what they're saying okay so along with our time machine yeah. comes with a like a built-in translator yeah if you can't translate it you shouldn't be going back in time dude what if, if, you, oh, can't if you can't translate yeah, yeah. <laughs> right well then also just even with english right you go back to like oh the for seven, sure to the 18th century england like the way they spoke i'd be annoyed by that yeah, I'd be like, shut the fuck <laughs> up, <laughs> you pretentious asshole. <laughs> I think for I think for me, if I were to go back in time to see something, mm-hmm. I would want it wouldn't really even be that far back. Okay. No, I guess no. This is this I do have an error now that now I thought of one, but go ahead, okay. continue. I can't say this because that's the event. I, I'm getting into the. I'm I'm jumping ahead in my question. It's a, a specific event. Okay. I think I would like to visit. Um, I think if I could go back in time. I would like to visit um, the early Republic of the United States. Okay. Not 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 revolutionary United States. Okay. Post revolutionary okay. constitutional convention. Yeah. Some of those classic city, cities like Philly and stuff would be interesting to yeah. see. The Enlightenment periods, because then you could hop across to France and mm. catch some of uh, pre-revolutionary France. Okay. And yeah. Okay. <sighs> Mine is my era is very hippie. Okay. <laughs> I want to go before like pre-contact. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And just see a world without concrete and cement and buildings and just vast open spaces of trees without, you know, roads cutting in between them and just just watching how people lived off the land. Pre-contact, like North America. Yes, then. yes, okay. yes. Um, maybe traveling down to South America, watching. But well, then you would see you would see roads then. Yeah, well, I oh, know, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. But uh-huh. maybe you know, just I mean, obviously, I'm going to see constructions in the north. I just I'm thinking about the Northwest because sure. it's so beautiful mm-hmm. up here. But just seeing just seeing a whole land without modern construction, I think, would be so interesting. Um, but then to go, you know, make your way down south and kind of see the way that civilization is developed through there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that kind of not specific era, but just a time before, but, but time before. Yeah, I get that. And then also not just the construction aspect. I think it'd be interesting to see before introduction of Western goods, right. Completely change the, the trade networks mm-hmm. of, of, uh, Oh indigenous, yeah. Indigenous Americans. Yeah. Um, would be really neat too to see practices prior to having Western mm-hmm, tools, mm-hmm, like how the Chinook, we're able to catch, um, we're able, watching the Chinook catch the Chinook tribe catch Chinook salmon. Yeah, Salilo prior that's to one, yeah prior to Lewis and Clark. That's and one like location that. I was thinking about. It's like places like Salilo before the the dam was built and flood you know mm-hmm. flooded those ancient fishing lands. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just these fucking tragic things. But to mm-hmm. see those 
to see those places, to see those things before modern construction, I think would be yeah. dope. That would be cool. Okay. All right, next question. Yes. Is what event would you like to witness? <laughs> I don't, this is fucked up. I don't know why I just thought of this. I didn't think of an answer before this question, but then when you asked it, I thought my birth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, because that's I do not want to see that, but that just instantly was like, oh, dude, what if you could watch that? Oh, God, why would I watch that? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a specific event? Uh, I would like to, to see the... Uh, I'd like to be... The ability to just, <gasps> just sit in the back of the the Bretton Woods Conference in, in uh, 1840... In 1847. Okay. Which set up um, the United Nations. Um, the... The Article Five Charter on Human Rights was adopted in basically the setting the structure for the current world system that we see happened after in the post World War Two in the immediate aftermath of World War Two, um, having nations from all nations from all over the world mm-hmm. and former enemies and foes coming together to f- kind of forge this new mm. world identity. It's interesting because one I picked also has kind of this interaction with this on this global context. Mm-hmm. So the, the Bretton Woods Conference in mm-hmm. 1947 is my choice. 1947. Okay. Where was it? It was in San Francisco. Mm, okay. Liberals. Um, the Berlin Conference of 1884. Dude, I wrote a paper on that conference. Really? Two papers, Really? Actually. Yeah. Just the, the whole sc- scramble of Afri- for Africa? Dude, you are speaking my language right now. I'm so <laughs> excited. I, dude, that was... Oh my gosh! Yes, keep talking, <laughs> keep talking. I just think it would be so interesting to just just hear the 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 reasonings or or the validation or who has more pull for what colonies, for what areas, for what regions. I just think it would be interesting because it would it had such a global impact on on everyone, not just people obviously in the continent of Africa, but worldwide. Just to see how that took place just to sit there and listen not even say anything just again kind of come in as a hologram and just listen and just i don't know just to be there would be interesting yeah i i've done so much reading on the 1880 on the uh um on the on the berlin african conference Mm -hmm. and the agreement of 1884 and 1885 Mm -hmm. and how they carved up africa and oh and just how they came about trying to um w- what constituted la- like overreaching land grabs right exactly it's just that whole thing <laughs> it's it's land that they hadn't even like settled yet right that they were already claiming for themselves yes. sitting in a little room in germany yeah help you know by Otto von bismarck and having all of the world leaders come there and they're like it's just yeah this is mine this is yours this is yours yeah, this is mine. without even a thought Not, to the people who yeah. are already there. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. I got to amend uh, the Bretton, Bretton Woods. Uh-huh. I'm confused. I'm confu- I'm conflating. I'm actually, I am joining, conjoining two different separate conferences. Okay. So there was a UN, United Nations conference in San Francisco. That's when Article 5 was adopted. Okay. Bretton Woods was actually in New Hampshire in mm. 1947. That set up the IMF and the International Monetary Fund and the World Trade Organization. And that's the one you're talking about? That's the one I'm okay, talking about. Okay, cool. That cool. was the one I would want to go to. All right. Global context, baby. 
Gosh, I love the fact that you. <laughs> I am. Oh, that's why we have a podcast together. I love my that so much. I can't even. I can't even. I can't even explain how excited I was when you said that. Um, <laughs> all right. So next question: mm-hmm. is What person would you like to interview? You can interview one person. One person? Dude? No. Okay. Like, oh, I'll give you a. I, I'll give gosh. you a table. I'll give you a table if you wanted to do a table. Like, no, I couldn't do a table. I'd want one on one with every single person. Okay. But you go first, so I can think about this a little bit. For me. Yeah. I would love to interview Thomas Jefferson. Okay. And Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> of course. At the same time. At the same time? Yes. Okay. Because you could not get to... I mean, honestly, from the source of the Federalist Papers and in, in, uh, early Republicanism, mm-hmm. I, the, the two fundamental debates at, at the heart of the construction of our country. Right. I mean... Are you just asking them about the construction? Or are you asking, like... What did you really mean? Okay. Like, what was your intent? Your envision, also, you of know... Of the Second Amendment. Yeah. Where is this going? Where do you think this is going? When you said, was is for the Second Amendment. Okay. When you when you said like Thomas, when you when you guys wrote the Bill of Rights, when the mm-hmm. Bill of Rights was was adopted by the you know the Anti Federalists wrote it and it was adopted. Mm-hmm. What was your thinking? What was your intent? Was the uh, uh, militia being necessary to to the security of a free state? Comma. Is that a preamble or is that saying? <laughs> Is that saying is that is that a like a preamble to what came next? Yeah. Or was that saying the right to keep and bear arms was only guaranteed for a militia? Right. Like what was your intent on that? I guess you could try to kind of you can try to pick through his writings and figure and figure out what exactly right, he right, meant. Right, right, right. But to get it right from to the guy's from the mouth, source, yeah, be pretty badass. Okay. I mine are kind of. Um, I have three different people from three different eras. Okay. Okay. I'll start with. I'm gonna go to fluff to extreme. Okay. Okay. Freddie Mercury. Okay. From Queen. For sure. I would just love to just sit down and just pick his brain about because he was always just always wanted to be a performer, mm-hmm. just always and just just um just maybe like uh, uh uh exercise habits as far as like vocals and just how he trained his voice. Um, but also, I kind of want to get into the nitty gritty of his like crazy ass life sure yeah (laughs) um but just ask him about um, but also like um when when you know everyone started talking about him being gay and the media just destroying him in in england Mm -hmm. and just um uh, what just terrible terms they used for his his life choices just um what I can't even think of the terms I'm thinking of right now, but basically shaming him for for being homosexual. Okay. Um, but just to get his point of view, um, because you know I've seen interviews with the different bandmates and talking about um, witnessing what he had gone through, articles, um, tabloids, think people just saying shitty things about him. It'd just be interesting to hear about you know. I don't know. I think he was super lonely. It kind of bums me out because he was if he was alive today. Dude, he'd be worshipped every step, I think. Mm -hmm. But maybe I think that because he did die. I think, you know, a lot of times people who die are glorified. Um, What's his name? Fucking Kurt Cobain. I fucking hate Nirvana, bro. (laughs) But people are like, ooh, they love Nirvana. They got some good songs. But, I mean, I just think that that's, I don't know, that's another person I don't think would, that would, I don't think he would have continued music if he was still alive because he was just starting starting to hate it. So, I don't know. I just like to pick Freddie's brain. Yeah, because um, it's interesting. 
Number two, Barack Obama. Okay. First African-American president. Sure. I think that's massive. Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of gets overlooked sometimes. Um, I would love to just, if I could get him to talk to me, you know, if it had to be off the record, obviously, but just to be real, 100%, talk about fears, talk about concerns, talk about struggles, talk about um, hopes and dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah. To genuinely just say, say how it is without f- worrying or having to feel like you had to navigate within these parameters because you're a president. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would be fucking cool. Um, just because the history of African-Americans and, and it, we got to see, we lived through that. Yeah. The first African-American president. It's fucking awesome. And number three. <laughs> Who would you guess the most extreme person? Shoot a guess. Give me one. Extreme? Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. That's who you want to interview? Uh, Joseph Stalin. Ooh, good guess. Adolf Hitler. Okay. Yeah. That was close. Yeah. Just uh, just to just to get an idea of of his personality um, and, and who he is and, and the way he thought. And again, if he could be 100% real with me, that'd be interesting. But mm-hmm. another person I think is kind of... Um, glorified or or fantasized in a way um because you do i mean watching him speak what a what a crazy like delivery all the time just motivating these people i don't know it's fascinating it'd be interesting to just hear (laughs) to get his ideas from the source you know what i mean what was your dream for germany ultimately you know i don't know mm-hmm. it's cra- it's he's crazy as fuck but it'd be tight so yeah, those are my I mean, interviews <laughs> i mean yeah if you're just going back as as a you know purely i mean you're doing nothing more than observing right recording mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I mean like you can't come up with a more i mean you fascinating have, person you have his writings to pick you know what i mean yeah but to be there to spend I don't know. A year would be a long fucking time. When would you like, like, of his reign? Oh, the beginning. The beginning or the, I or the think end? When the he, dirty all comes, beginning. The dirty beginning. Okay. But the dirty end would be tied too. When he starts to when he starts to realize that his yeah his his brainchild is crumbling around yes. him. Yes, but the the just the early beginnings of like the small grass movement, grassroots movement of getting people together, and just watching this development of almost this cult of personality yeah fucking be crazy would you also also ask him if it's true if he has that he had a micro penis i just i'd look (laughs) (laughs) i heard it was all mutilated and shit yeah that's what i heard too that's tight because he had a girlfriend wife 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 but i guess he was way too close with like his niece oh i did hear that too there's so many weird ass things about that dude like Reports of him being just geeked out on fucking drugs and shit. Crazy. Yeah. What's so interesting is that even the people around him, most of the people who helped him with his rise to power mm-hmm. instantly regretted it, but then there was literally nothing they can do right. to continue to enable him. Like, it's just so scary to think about. Imagine just being the dude, like, contemplating sacrificing your life. Like, there had to have been somebody... Well, they, the Valkyrie plan. Well, no, no, yeah. I know. But there had to be someone within that inner circle who was like, this is getting out of hand. 
I somebody should kill him, but I don't want to die. Because if you kill Hitler, you're gonna die. Oh, for sure. So I don't know, man. That'd be crazy. Fuck, he's awesome. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so that uh, so that's was my last question. Yeah, and it can be probably it's gonna be a quick answer, but would you attempt to change anything from the past? Fuck no. Yeah, I I told you I'm afraid of the butterfly effect. I'm scared. Yeah, I mean I think the easiest thing would be like, okay, you go back and shoot Hitler, like you kill him before he's able to take power. But then you say, okay, well, what came out of the post World War II era, the the end of the final end of colonialism and period, final end of actual colonialism, right? The British Empire giving up India and Mm -hmm. and other in its other colonies around the world. That's a good point. How much longer would that have persisted, right? um, If if World War II never happens, you know, the British Empire is. It would be interesting. The United, Maybe there's the, a rise within those. The United empires. States. The United States never takes, uh, never takes the mantle as a sole, you mm-hmm. know, as a superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, does Russia ever get? Does Soviet Russia ever get up? Get off the? Does it avoid the Cold War? Right. So you, I guess you just really never know. Is there, or is is it postponed, or is there even a development of um, nuclear weapons? Yeah. You never know how, right. how much later would that have happened. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, so so probably not. I probably so wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either. As much. I don't like as to fuck li- with that. As much as you would like to keep those tragedies from happening. Yeah. Unintended. All of unintended consequences. Right. I think you're probably just pushing off those tragedies onto another group of people. Right. I think down the line. if I could. If I would to attempt attempt to change anything, let's see. That's the thing is, what if I attempt and it fucking fails? But just finding ways to to help, maybe. Um. But then you don't know what kind of. This is fucking terrible. That's a terrible thought. <laughs> um. But I'm just thinking about like if you could find a way. Uh. I just finished season two of Handmaid's Tale. Okay. So there's you know a lot of it is like trying to sneak people out of um Gilead into Canada so that they're not fucking imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could find ways to liberate people at different times, um, I think would be, would, would be the only thing that I would ever attempt to do. Um, maybe there's a, a, a Jewish family who, you know, is facing certain death, finding a way to, to liberate them, um, liberate enslaved African Americans and help them North. If there were things like that, that I could do, I think those are things that I would do. Um, I think, I think killing Hitler just completely changes. Maybe we and I aren't even born because Hitler was killed and never happened. Yeah, you know, you never know. So, but also maybe if I save uh, one family, it leads to another disaster, or you know, or somebody who resents the USA for not stepping in sooner and then becomes, yeah. you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. so many fucking possibilities. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it truly is. So, yeah, I don't know. Probably not though. Okay. Yeah. So that's my, in my answer is about the same. I don't think I would want to change anything. Nothing. No. What about in your own life? I've asked you this, I think before. Yeah. There's one, there's one instance I'd like to change from my life. Large cock. <laughs> no, no, because that's a fantastic story. No, I mean like you want one. Oh yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I not all not, around. I all around me. I don't mean for you to have, <laughs> just for you to hold. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. All right. They're ready. So that's my time travel questions. I like it. Okay. That's a good change up. Mm-hmm. All right, Jake. Well, this was, uh, believe it or not, this was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yes, this was a nice change. As pace. one week to the next, it's always fun. Um, thanks for being my movie date. Thanks for being my partner in crime. Yeah, for sure. And it's, well, forever and always. Forever and always. All right, guys. Uh, remember, like, share, subscribe. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Say what you mean.